probably no need for a disclaimer this week for either swearing or adult themes. But just as a precaution, there may be one or two bad words dotted about the episode. Welcome back for your weekly dose of the Beyond Canal Park podcast. As I have in the past, I'm deviating from football this week to put the spotlight on issues facing our local area. Although this podcast has mostly been about footballers or sportsmen and their stories, I'm interested in speaking to anyone from any walk of life if they have a story to tell or if they're interested in champion our corner of the world. I'm joined this week by a man who has given 30 years of service as a councillor representing Banff and the local authority. He talks to me about his achievements for the area, the top issues currently affecting our region, obviously COVID-19, the response and the future beyond lockdown. We also delve into the dual death traps which are Banff Bridge and the notorious A947, as well as touching on Brexit and Scottish independence and how they might affect us in the way of life up here. I am, of course, joined by Councillor John Cox, and here's what he had to say. Well, it's a bit of a break from football on the podcast this week, and I'm joined by one of our local Aberdeenshire councillors, a man who has served on Banff and Buchan and then Aberdeenshire Council for the past 30 years. He has joined me to talk about the main issues affecting the local area and indeed the country, the far-reaching fallout from COVID-19, and we'll also touch briefly on the thorny issues of Brexit and Scottish independence. A warm welcome to Councillor John Cox. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, and thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, no problem. Before we get into sort of the issues current, that we're currently facing, uh, you've also been involved in local politics in the area for a long time now. I think you told me about 30 years, but first... What first got you into it, and how old were you then? Oh, well, it was, uh, I was just over 30 uh, before I was married. Uh, what got me involved? I was involved in the Scottish politics, believe it or not, very early on, when uh, okay. back in the good old days, there was about five or 600 processors in and around Aberdeen alone. So okay, I was chairman of the Scottish Fish Merchants uh, Federation, which involved the meeting when Alex Salmond was first uh, elected, so it was often down in okay. uh, London and various places, so I was kind of active, you could say, in a different kind of politics, but it was in a po- political arena, Aye. dealing with fishing issues. Okay. And then I got a call from uh, my uncle's brother, uh, Brucey Mayor in Turriff, and said, would you like to be a councillor? No, no, sorry, it wasn't, it wasn't Brucey, it was... Uh, uh, Douglas Miller, if that name rings a bell with, with people, um, sadly Douglas is no longer with us, but he was uh, an environmental health officer and uh, he asked if I'd be interested and I said yes and I got a call from Brucey Mayer from Turriff who was uh, a teacher at the time but very much involved in the farming community yeah. and I said what do I do? He says I'll just come along and sign some papers and uh, the rest is history you could say it was uh, uh-huh. quite... Uh, it was a, a new experience for me. All right. Uh, and, and back then, um, and maybe even still now, politics was a sort of middle-aged white man's game, was it? Were you sort of the youngest on the go then? I was fairly young, yes. Um, yeah, probably would have been one of the youngest, yes. It was still very much the old town council 
culture uh-huh. uh, from the better <laughs> days you could say where it was all local local people bailiffs and such like people who lived in a community worked in a community and could pop down right. to local local meetings and then there was the setup of uh, district councils and the uh, regional council and yeah. then it all became one uh, unitary authority that was Aberdeenshire. So yeah, back in those days, I was very naive, and uh, <laughs> a few few farmers were uh, more or less uh-huh. ran, the, ran the council. But uh, <laughs> I have to say that uh, those guys were great characters, and sadly missed because uh, they were all doers. It was, uh, it was anything a challenge. It was just like let's get on with it. And, uh, very positive, good good start for in the politics. Solutions, not just mere problems. Well, that was it? They just. <laughs> There was uh, let's get this job done. You know, the, uh, in the early days, one of the the projects was the uh, McDuff Aquarium. Oh, so yeah. It was a, obviously a, a pet project for the late uh, Sydney Mayor. But, okay, uh, that was an example where the idea was to have a string of visitor attractions in in, in the Banff and Buchan area, and it was just get on with it. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Interesting times where you just set yourself. Uh, an objective, so I said it was uh, no. Sydney Mayor's baby, but uh, I was there at the, the starting point. Brilliant. Know. Right. Um, and you stood, I think, am I right, you stood as an independent to start with, is that because nobody really matched your ideals, or did nobody want to have you? Well, in those days, <laughs> well, the, I suppose uh, back in, it wasn't political as much No. as what we have now. It was down to the individuals rather than the party politics. Yeah, 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 we could touch on that later on, but uh, mm-hmm. no, I was an independent because I suppose I was just approached, and maybe if it'd been a political party had approached me, I might have been a whatever, with uh, them, I don't know, I, I wasn't really into the party politics, all I was yeah. interested in was representing the local community. Uh, is it um, is it easier to be an independent because you can do your own, th- do and say your own things, or is it harder because the, the financial support and things uh, isn't there? So that's much easier. Uh, different context T- to get things through. You've got to you've got to be able to demonstrate. To back in those days it was twenty odd councillors. Now it's seventy yeah. councillors. So you've got to you've got to make an argument. It's it's helpful to be part of a group, and uh, then you can get some consensus within that. But, so I often use the expression, "I won the argument, but lost the vote." <laughs> what makes independent is that you're not tied to some of the rules and regulations Aye. and uh, that has uh, been proven in my career because I've stood as an independent, I've been a member of a political party, got uh, suspended for not supporting a, a Fraserburgh councillor, both yeah, Sydney Mayor and myself were both uh, suspended. This uh, is SNP, is it? Yeah, we joined the SNP. Yeah. And we stood, both stood as independents. Uh, I joined the SNP again, and then when it was time for being selected, you had to go through a selection process. Okay. At that time, uh, the discussion was very much on Brexit and various other things. Uh-huh. So, um, according to the the party, I wasn't uh, a suitable candidate, which <laughs> actually suited me because it's sometimes easier getting thrown out. You can stand and make a voice, whereas if you leave something, <laughs> they can turn and say, well, you left, so what are you complaining about? <laughs> no, it, was, um, uh, it suited me. Um, I put no. myself forward, uh, but uh, as I said, at the end of the day, they they were not happy with my views on on Brexit, <laughs> which we'll get to maybe later. Um, but I guess 
you've you've still been elected now. Is that an unbroken thirty years, John? Yes, I, I've been a uh, councillor all the way through. Yeah, um, been very the, lucky and appreciate the, the confidence and the support. Obviously, uh, nowadays when it comes to the ballot box, people do tend to follow the, the party politic line. But uh, mm -hmm. the multi-member ward that's in this area, Bamford District, with three councillors, so yeah, um, it, which I don't, I don't think is good. I think there should be. Mm -hmm. Back to the old days where uh, I just represented Banff. And, uh, yeah, uh, you just got on with it. But now there's three councillors representing a bigger area, and it's actually yeah. it's actually a lot more work than a <laughs> one member because you're covering, in my case, six primary schools, six yes. seven community councils. Um, but we're all doing the same thing, and we work. We we got on great together, uh, the three councillors. But it does tend to. Uh, it would be far better if, if I was back to the old days. One yeah, yeah. Uh, councillor would be attending one academy school council, one primary school council, one community council. Whereas, yeah, yeah. Um, some weeks you've got a meeting every night. Aye, aye. Um, in terms of what you, you said that you, you know, you got involved to, to champion and, and boost the local community. What are your what are your sort of proudest uh, achievements in your role as councillor? It's taken a while. Um, some of the campaigns would be the uh, Bam Primary School, uh, throwing some things in. That was the, the former Ramsey School on Seaford yeah. Street, which moved to uh, the old primary school. But this, the condition of the school was not fit for purpose, so that was one campaign. It took a while, uh, and uh, the result was there. The Chalmers uh -huh. Hospital, again, that was a 15, almost a 15-year campaign. Uh, to get investment there. Again, you can see the results. We've got a fantastic facility. Um, yes. I suppose what has been slightly disappointing, and it's not a, not a criticism, it's just the way things are, is that uh, when they went through all the working groups and discussions and what should be provided in Banff, uh, the emphasis was on bringing local services or services locally rather than people no. having to go into, into Aberdeen. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a great facility, but with lost some of the services for various yeah. reasons. I say it's not mm -hmm. it's just where we are today. I mean, all, everybody in terms of healthcare want to go to the best. We can't have uh, half no. a dozen uh, many ARIs throughout the future. <laughs> but we do yeah. need uh, a facility here and have to complement all the work in the certainly the staff that work in Bam Chamber. So that was a that was a campaign. The sports and sports and leisure, that was my original yeah because um, uh, back in the early days when I uh, was teaching karate and traveling <laughs> all over Europe, um, uh -huh. going to all the different sports centers and competing and training. Different uh, Banff was just a backwater. So that Aye, was sort yep. of the main thing to try and see and get uh, sports facilities uh, in and around the area. And that, I suppose that was one of the longest campaigns going back yep, to yep. the original <laughs> sale of uh, Canal Park to, and then the, the Better Life Centre that was proposed down at Prince's Run. But it was very right. much involved, I have to say, that the um, um, late um, uh, Eddie Bruce uh, asked me to, to get involved with Devon Vale, not to do with football, but to yeah. support the, the investment and development of the Prince's Royal Trust, because back then, um, Highland League football clubs would not be able to attract any grant funding, so uh, Eddie, uh, very creative and uh, 
obviously come up with a plan uh, that we should set up a new organisation, which was Prince's Royal Sports, yes, to, to be able to, to get funding. Uh, and Good. A few times, the, the rest is history, what we've got, what we've got there <laughs> compared with the old wooden shack that we used to uh -huh. have in the corner, corner <laughs> on the cold, cold winter nights when yep. everything was doom and gloom to uh, one of the best Highland League facilities uh, in its day. So. Uh, that's what we no. have now. Good. Um, in terms of, I guess, uh, politicians uh, often get a bad bad rep for one thing or another. Um, have there been any sort of really scary moments, abuse threats that you've had in the past um, in the local area? Is that, or is that just part of the job? You kind of please everyone. I please everybody. Uh, what's important is to listen, listen to people's views. Uh -huh. And hopefully they listen to... <laughs> Mine, and not as, not as an excuse, I keep saying to people, it's not an excuse, but this is the reality. Um, scary moments, I, I wouldn't say that. There has been yeah. hostile movements. Um, uh -huh. When the original plan, the Cell Canal Park, uh, I, I, was uh, one gentleman who went down the town with posters with them. Uh, because the quote was to sell Canal Park, and it's just a terminology the council uses, surplus yeah. requirements. So <laughs> they made up a poster with, uh, um, not, not very pleasant, not, not nice at all, <laughs> and uh, he used surplus requirements, and it was just, just at the time of the election. Okay. Um, the gentleman, uh, he's no longer with us, but yeah, he, he was mature enough after things uh, progressed, um, you know, we could stop. Uh, speak to each other on the street. And that, that's the thing. I, I have no problem with people disagreeing with me, telling me, putting me in my place, as long as it says to my face. And yeah. when the time is right, uh, you move on. And and, um, yeah. and unfortunately, with the advent of this, uh, with social media, it's much easier for folk to vent their spleen at you now and hide behind Unfortun it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, to date, uh, I'm probably known for being on Facebook. Too often, but it's where you find out what's going on and be quite yep, close to yep. the community one way or another. And I would say I've only blocked two people, three people, because it just wasn't serving any purpose. It didn't matter what I put on, it totally diverged the, the point. And it just got to the point where, you know, I, don't go on to, I didn't go onto their page and slag them off. So, yeah, <laughs> I, as I say, quite happy to listen on both people's point of view but in some cases it was just it was just one way traffic just not abuse <laughs> just I couldn't be bothered with it there was another period when the development of Banff Arena again that was quite a hostile environment for, uh, <laughs> the, the, the local boat owners were not happy at all because they, they saw that as a, a threat to uh, them having to pay more for, for using the harbour, so that was quite quite tense. Not tense, but it was quite a hard time because it was for the wider benefit. You know, the investment yeah. was to try and bring tourism, regeneration to the area. It wasn't just about two or three current harbour users. But I have to say again, once once the decision was taken, once the, the harbour was built, then the, the same people who uh, didn't take kindly to me when they saw me in the street, and that there was any abuse or, or anything like that, just, uh, just uh, I can speak to them and meet them and sit down with them and have a good yeah. chat with them. So 
again, it reflects in them that they have their strong feelings. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, they, we've got a, it was a huge investment in, in, in Banff. It was a stinking old harbour. And what we've got mm. there is uh, a great improvement. And what, yeah. what was ironic was that uh, many of the people who were dead against the idea of the pontoons and such like were the first ones on the waiting list. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to see what we've got there. There's still huge potential for it. Um, good. Uh, that will come. Good. Um, you mentioned Sydney Mayor earlier uh, on, obviously, a, a guy who gave a lot of service to the local council. Um, was, he a, was he a good guy? Sydney, Sydney, he didn't pull any punches. It didn't, uh-huh. it didn't matter what. And many time committee... Uh, he would uh, put me in my place, just he would be cheering the, the, the committee and, you know, enough was enough with him and he would, he would just uh, put me down in a, in, a, in, a, in a pleasant way. But I do recall one, one full council meeting and we're going through the council's accounts and uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking at um, Bam and McDuff Common Good account and here's Bam sitting there with millions sitting in there. Um, <laughs> now, uh, and... Uh, was just about to approve the council and uh, the, the, the budget of the accounts and uh, Sydney sitting next to me and I just pointed out these figures with McDuffith next to nothing and here's Banff and my goodness he just about I was like a spring in his seat he just about jumped through the roof <laughs> promise 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 to convener at that time uh, this is not right this is not right that's McDuff's money that's McDuff's money <laughs> so as usual very very uh, uh, anything McDuff, uh, he was uh-huh. straight in there, and I noticed the, the slight mistake. Uh, you could say that the money had had been allocated all to the Bath Common Good, and <laughs> uh, split between Bath and McDuff. But uh, oh my goodness, it, 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 as soon as as soon as it twigged, he was He's on, on that seat, up and up on his feet, and bumping the really? table. He just wasn't happy. But that that was his spirit, <laughs> and that was that was him. Um, he wouldn't. You know, no. there, he would fight tooth and nail, absolutely. Brilliant. Uh, in terms of uh, Awafi politics, John, you, you obviously you mentioned uh, you did karate, you taught karate as well. You were a black belt fifth dan, I believe, and you travelled the world. Yeah, I'm just a desperate dan now. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, <laughs> before I got married, uh, it was a fine excuse to go into Aberdeen, uh, go training, and go and see. Uh, Adeline, uh, yeah, I started quite late actually, I was 25, 26, and uh, uh, my friend, who was my flatmate at the time, Neil Baxter, uh, sadly no longer with us, he was coming uh-huh. by crash, but yeah. um, he was staying with me at the time, uh, he was working with the uh, I think at the time, um, yeah. the flat out in Colts, and he, he uh, went along with some of his workmates, and then I went along, and uh, that's when I started. So I was working in Aberdeen, living in Aberdeen, and then I moved back to Banff and I was going to Aberdeen training two, three times. But I went on courses to Crystal Palace twice a year, uh, uh-huh. training with all the, the top European, uh, you know, top Japanese instructors. So that was in, in Crystal Palace, which was uh, very interesting. I had a, a, a colleague who was almost about half a dozen of us. So, not more would yeah. go down. One of the guys, uh, John Ritchie, he would always take a, a twenty pound or 
50 pound Scottish notes. And the first thing we did when we arrived down there was to went to the local shop to cash in this 20 or 50 pound, whatever it was. And they refused to take it. That was him. Where's John gone? He's away up to the shop. <laughs> He's away up to cash in. Just, just to wind the, the shopkeeper up that uh, used to stay in the Crystal Palace and the in a hostel like a tower and there's a tannoy system and every day uh, we'd hear uh, we all had different names and John was great he would go down and he said uh, and uh, the, the way of the prawn please come to the re reception uh, uh, you know, the way of the dragon the pen it was the way of the prawn because I was involved in the fish and John was kind of thin in the top so I would, I would, next time I would go down there with Mr. Tupé Richie, please come to the reception. <laughs> <laughs> this was announced right through the place. So. Brilliant. Right. Never a dull moment. And uh, the karate must be must have come in handy. Uh, we're having uh, Phil as, a, as your future son-in-law. Have you ever had to karate chop him? Uh, the early days <laughs> when he turned up at the door at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, uh -huh. uh, he uh, <laughs> never had to. Uh, it, was, it was almost tempted for him. Once or twice to get him to go home and completely get him. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it, I would say any kind of physical activity, it gives you that uh, advantage. And uh, you must be missing your new main hobby now, though, going to soup and sweets and coffee mornings. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, I really do enjoy it because I'm not one for pushing myself in front of people. Uh, but here's an opportunity to meet people and, and people will come and talk to me and I'll obviously go and talk to them. But it's a great, it's a great social thing. It's, it's, right. uh, it's amazing who you see um, <laughs> going to the same ones or to the different ones. Uh, the most I think I've managed is, is three, three is absolutely or is it two yeah. coffee mornings and one soup and sweet. But, uh, no, it, it's, it's getting about and you meet people, as I say, and if they want to speak to you, they'll speak to you, but they've got yeah. council issues. It's fine. You can uh, get to hear what, what the problems are. No. Are you planning to go on for a long time yet, John, the council? <laughs> the last if, two elections. If elected. If elected, <laughs> if I'm lucky enough. But no, the last two elections, I said, oh, I'll, I'll give it one more go. But uh, I think at this time, it's changed. It's, it, it, it's uh -huh. very much changed from, I don't know, happy back to the good old Bath and Buckingham days, but it was a different <laughs> culture where. Aye. You'd uh, your chief executive here, you'd your deputy chief executive, you'd mm -hmm. eight, eight directors, eight deputy directors, all the heads of service, all the PAs. In fact, it's just a, a buzzing place. And then we've gone from uh, all the decisions we've made, or the, the power base, you could say, in Aberdeen, yeah. Yeah. a lot less directors. Um, so Banff has, has changed, has lost out considerably. However, no. it will be interesting once we get back to normality, because what's quite clear, not just in the council, but right yeah. across business, um, is there a need for offices anymore for technology now? So I think, uh, I'm hopeful, that, you know, the outcome of this will be, no. instead of people having to jump into the cars every day and head into Aberdeen or Inverurie or wherever to work, yeah. Um, yeah. we're going to see more, more uh, people just staying here, which, which gives them a sense of they live here, they work here, and to play here Aye. rather yeah. than um, having to, to go elsewhere, going to Aberdeen, then there's the, the advantage of going to the local shops there rather than doing their, mm -hmm. their, their shopping here. So hopefully the uh, end result will be that um, you say people are living, working and playing in the bank and in the, in the area. Aye. 
Okay. Um, next thing I want to move on to, John, is um, you kind of gave me a, like a, a top five kind of issues that are facing the local area at the moment. Uh, we'd maybe just touch on a few of them. Um, first of all, do we have the issues that are facing our community? Have they changed massively since 30 years ago? Or are we still looking at the same kind of things? Well, 30 years ago was a completely different picture because you had this fantastic fishing industry. Yeah. Um, most of the top uh, boats were, were based here. Uh, you know, your father was a, was a fisherman. There was night. The weekend started <laughs> on a Thursday night, didn't finish till 12 o'clock on a Sunday night. So you had uh, all these boats, all these crews, big disposable income going into the community. Yeah. So we saw the transition there. Likewise, BAMP and Buckingham Days, as I explained earlier, all the directors, all the key people, BAMP, BAMP was the hub, people came to BAMP yeah, uh, yeah. to meet with the, the senior staff. Uh, a lot more people working here, so there was a sense of ownership. Uh, I would, it was often said that if you wanted to see a director of whatever, you just have to pop down to the golf course and you would find him there. <laughs> far more accessible, but, uh, uh -huh. but the, job, the job got done. And that's the main thing, doesn't matter no. if the job got done. So, okay. had, so back then, you had the council, you had the fishing, you had Grumpian, Grumpian Food Group, um, big, big uh, employer, direct, yeah. added direct. Ladies Bush Hospital, what was there, 500 people worked there. So, so where I'm sitting now. <laughs> well, exactly. So you get, if you take all that, I would say the Bath and the Gulf community has hit the hardest in, for, for yeah. population and the, and, and the economy because what is there? Where is there a dungeon sites? Yeah. It's, uh, we don't have much. So, yeah, there's big, big changes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the first thing that uh, was on the list here was, was about Canal Park. What, what's happening on that front? I hear that there's a there's a, a new supermarket coming in. Are you telling me or asking me? Well, I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's public knowledge um, that uh, council many years ago, pushed uh, on the market. Tesco uh, had uh, concluded a deal with the council to buy the land, and then there was the new recession, and they decided to pull out. But at that time, we were very fortunate that they had entered into an agreement, so uh, they couldn't walk away and had to buy themselves out of the contract. So yeah. uh, that was, a, in some aspects, a boost, because uh, we are able to see what all that money being spent back into the community, uh, and in fact, it was double that we had the two facilities, Banff and Devon Centre, uh, McGuff Meadows and Banff, Devon Centre, um, Council, seven million added to the capital receipt we got back from from Tesco that they bought out. Um, for interest, now what has happened since then is that uh, the tennis courts that. Uh, area, the yeah. community centre, um, obviously no longer fit for purpose, we've got fantastic new facilities. So the, uh, the area was put on the market again and at this moment in time there is a preferred offer. Okay. Uh, and until such time as uh, <laughs> both parties agree uh, that uh, preferred bidder is kept confidential. So, so <laughs> I know a lot of people will want to know but can I uh -huh. just no. Absolutely guaranteed. Nothing will be done behind closed doors or whatever. It is just yeah. at the moment in time. And uh, once uh, there has been a hold up, it was going to go uh, 
the public domain, but because of this COVID thing, things are yeah, yeah. But nothing will be done behind the closed doors. It will be transparent, and people, if we're, if we're the supporters, are objective, will have the opportunity to be heard and seen and yeah. forward their views. Uh, yeah. why, why are we doing it? Well, it's sitting here. Is it an opportunity to attract further investment in town? Um, that was the view of uh, the council to say, well, let's look at it, let's put it in the market uh, and let's see what, what comes in and hopefully yeah. it will create many, many jobs for developers for their wider mm -hmm. benefit. Yeah, let's hope so. Okay, next thing on, on the list was the Bath Marina. Is that, is that getting further uh, developed? Well, that was back to it. I have a question of you know, one of the things that's, um, that was a hard slog to get there, but eventually yeah. it was, uh, I recall it, it was the Banff and McDuff regeneration or no, strategic development group or whatever it was. And we were sitting in uh, the meeting was held in uh, McDuff Legion. And uh, I was chairing the meeting and I recall <laughs> Andy Kendi at the back of the, the meeting put his hand up and asked him to speak. And he, he said, why don't Don Banff harbour at the marina? And that's where it started. And he, he did, well, Andy, if you've got an idea, if you've got a vision, you come back to the next meeting with, with that in some sort of detail. And he did. Yeah. And uh, I would say that, uh, without doubt, uh, it, should be, uh, it should be called the, the um, uh, his, uh, his marina, because it was uh, his idea. And, it was his baby, aye. Uh, he, he, he fought for that and yeah that's his baby that's his baby for sure there's a potential there yeah, to develop that further well there's potential in trying to try and get some activity in and around the harbour yeah so some pop-up shops pop-up cafes Aye. there was two years ago there was a, a an open day and there hasn't been one since it's a it's a great facility uh, it's a yeah, great yeah. place to go for a walk, so we need to get to see some more activity. So it is a, it's a destination people Aye, need to go yeah. and see. Okay. People, people will go where there's people. If you see a queue in a shop, right. people will want to join on. If you see a queue at a restaurant, people will stand and want to go in and see what it's all about. So yeah. get more people down in Banff and Harbour, it will attract more people to come along. Aye, this is what we need. Mm -hmm. Okay, the, the third thing on the list there is, is Duffus. Yeah, Duff House, you know, part of the marina development was linked in with, with Duff House. Why would, why would we build a marina to attract yachts uh, to Bath if there was nothing for them to do? So mm -hmm. the, uh, the plan was, say, well, how can we link it in with this? What is a, a phenomenal building right in our doorstep? It's, the question is, but I've been arguing for some time, how many local people go over there on a regular basis? Times a week and still not be bored. Yeah, uh, we've got this fantastic building, uh, and it's run with a sort of Edinburgh culture. Uh, yeah, huh? <laughs> it's, it's run as though you know, in Edinburgh they've got out hundreds of thousands of visitors. Yeah, yeah. Past their facilities, whereas in Bath you've got it's got to be watered down. But if you don't attract the local people. Talk it up, talk about them. That's right. This is a building, but they go there and their experience isn't one as well. I've been to it, so I need to go back. Um, 
it has to be something that is something that will attract people, if not two or three times a year, certainly every month, you know, about music events, it's about seeing things, touchy, touchy uh -huh. things, yep, yep. rather yep. than... Get the kids in as well. Here's uh, uh, Chip and Dale Furniture, well that's fine, you've seen it once, do you need to see it again? <laughs> you want to go there as an experience, an experience is about feeling and doing and seeing and things. Um, that's right. So that, I believe, there needs to be a reconsideration of an outstation of the National Galleries. Sounds great, what is it? People come to the Northeast here to see our culture, learn about our culture, taste, see, feel, yeah. everything about the Northeast. Do they come to a building with Italian art? <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. what, is the, what is the message there? It has to be more user-friendly. Yeah. It is a building, that's what it is. Get people in, get, get that sort of hybrid activity. We've got yeah. some fantastic uh, old stuff stuck in a store down in, in Mintlar, the, the museum. Yeah, so okay. Let's get that stuff out. The, the Carnix, the desk for Carnix, was just loaned to the Historic Scotland for a year, 20 odd years ago. It should mm -hmm. be in Banff. You know, all the things yeah. that are associated with this area. And then people say, well, why did you come to Banff to learn, to see things that are local? Mm -hmm. unique and different so that's that's the challenge um, yeah. have, but it's certainly the opportunity to make it a, a real must go to visitor attraction yeah okay and uh, the next thing is something i know that you're quite vocal about or i've seen in sort of the media is the a947 horror road <laughs> what can be done here there is a we have a small working group uh, back to finance mm -hmm. uh, it's a, what they call it a route improvement. Aye. Back in the Grantham region days, they did have a major route improvement work program, but that was shelved after reorganisation. Okay. And there are some quick wins, but what we're waiting for, and unfortunately I was on the radio this morning, it's a delay on the route for the A96. Now the A96, if people don't okay. know, that's the, the main road from Aberdeen to Inverness. Yeah. And it bypasses Inverurie. The yes. options are the new A96 is a road either to the east or to the west of the existing road. Now, if it goes to the east, then that brings it much closer to Old Meldrum. Yeah. And what we would be pushing for is a, is a new link road from Old Meldrum across the if the new proposed road goes down that side, which would then save people having to drive closer into Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But certainly, if you're heading south uh, far, quicker road. The, the other thing that came out from the study was the amount of traffic back then. Um, it almost justified a, a dual carriageway all the way out to the new marker with white choke and the tail. You know, mm -hmm. yep. But saying that, there are there should be some quick wins. Uh, doesn't necessarily don't necessarily need some huge infrastructure changes but even the cam brain so so widening some of the corners to make it make it safer. Uh, Aye, yeah. Certainly certainly on the table is looking at two passing lanes. There's a between laybys which really don't mm -hmm. function as I don't know if you've ever used one, but uh, they're, they're not suitable if you've got a, a line of traffic, line of no. big, big lorries, one's not going to cool in just to let the, the tent behind them go past it doesn't set yep. problem. So what we really do need are passing lanes like we have definitely on the 96. Yeah. Um, 
Well, you know you're going to get a chance to pass 10, by 10 vehicles. Is that, a, is that a realistic option it's, to be done it, soon? Or? Yeah, well, it's, there's, um, we're just going through the process at the moment, but it's certainly a, 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 I wouldn't even call it a wish list, but it's, it's certainly something that's come out from the study. But like yeah. everything else, um, it's a question <laughs> of getting it onto the capital uh, <laughs> investment. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, well, I thought it took us 20, 15, 20 years, 30 years to get the sports facilities. It took a long time to get the school, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. So I'm, I'm not giving up. You know, so the way the council works, it has a, has a capital plan. It's a sort of three, four or five year plan. Mm. Aye. So eventually the projects get to the top because once they start um, delivering <laughs> other projects such as uh, the new, new schools, which has been a priority, do you put in a new road or do you want to see your kids educated in the right environment? You know, these are the choices that the council have got to make. So yeah. uh, eventually um, the 947 investment will, will creep up. But what we're hoping Good. for is that uh, Transport Scotland will, will take on some of that responsibility when they consider okay. the upgrading right. of the 96. Brilliant. And uh, lastly, from one death trap to another, Bath Bridge. Is there any, anything in the pipeline uh, regarding that? I know a lot of well, people, I see and hear a lot of people moaning about that on, on the, the different forums. We, <clears throat> a few years ago, we looked at that and there was options of a new footbridge or a new road bridge. And quite quickly, Aye. people said, well, we need a new road bridge. There was yeah, no funding yeah. for that. And unfortunately, it's like... It's just the way the council operates. You've got this capital plan, <laughs> and when there's a problem, the money can be found. But right now, if you choose between, say, a new care home or a new school mm -hmm. or yeah, yeah. Uh, new housing, is a bound bridge. Yes, I would say a lot of people in our local canvas would say a bound bridge is a, is a priority. But I've got to then fight for <laughs> that capital investment against uh -huh. uh, six to nine other councillors who've likewise got priorities in that area. So it almost sounds like we're going to have to wait for a for a death on there to, to get anything well, done. No, there is underway. Uh, there's a feasibility study. It should be reported fairly soon, which is to look at a, a footbridge. Now, absolutely Aye. no comparison between a footbridge and a road bridge. But what there is is this opportunity. There's an organisation called SUSTRANS, which is funded by the Scottish Government. Mm -hmm. And it is to do with active travel. Now, active travel is getting people to walk, cycle, yeah, not just yeah. sit in the backside uh, in, <laughs> in a car. So active travel is about getting from A to B uh, okay, in a physical way. No. So yeah. this is not a if or a but or a, a, a choice. Here is an opportunity to at least get something. <laughs> and I just don't want the debate lost into, no, I'd rather have a road bridge. No. Say, well, if that's what you want to do. If that's a bit extra travel, we're going to end up with nothing. So the study is underway, there's a bit of consultation, and hopefully we'll see the, the results that right. say the funding will come from, and the indications so far have, have been fairly positive. Okay, um, good. Well, that will give the option to then, obviously, take the footpaths off the bridge and widen that a bit, so... There's limits what you can do with the bridge, but there wouldn't right. be that opportunity. Uh, as we suggested, put on traffic lights, but I'm sure you've witnessed it. It's a, it's a four-way... <laughs>
Yes. It could be a future and, you know, get more people out and about. No, good, good. Okay, John, you, you said earlier about that the uh, local government is carrying on uh, virtually. How are the government, uh, sorry, the local uh, councils helping the vulnerable people uh, with the current crisis? What services are folk able to access? Well, there's a lot, a lot of work being done. Uh, there's a lot of information uh, and their own organisations such as Brighton Horizon. I don't know if they've had much uh, involvement with the council, but uh, I think all really, really good to thank all the all the volunteers, organisations like Brighton Horizons, all these like the churches, uh, just yeah. the wider community. Have, have really, it just demonstrates what we what we've got here. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. People will are, are prepared to, to be out there. So yeah, a lot of it's about guidance, uh, mm -hmm. advice, uh, making sure there's nobody stuck at home. Uh, there has been a good contact by a number of people who can't get out and about. And there's a no. backup service there. Uh, so if there's anybody feeling as though they don't know what's going on, do not mm -hmm. hesitate to get in touch with me and because uh, the help good. is there. But good. It's, it's fantastic how the community has, has done so much. As, uh, Do you think this is going to change, like, fundamentally change our community and society after this? So we get, are we going to be more caring and looking out for each other again? I think, well, I think it's a nature, it's a nature of us that uh, we're all, uh, the community is prepared to, to get stuck in yeah. when it's needed. Uh, though, how long this is going to last? There's one thing for sure: when we come out of this, the world will be a different place. Certainly, yeah. So, How have we been locally in terms of adhering to the lockdown and things? Well, I think pretty pretty good in general, but what has really helped is obviously the weather. It's been, oh, well. <laughs> has been a made big, big uh, boost. And, and it's good to see people probably adopting a healthier lifestyle that are out there. If anything, I'm seeing more folk going out for walks than ever did. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's, there's... The argument is, such as the um, why the house the household recycling place is not open. But the, mm -hmm. the, the condition set is that it should only be essential workers. So if yeah, you open yeah. up a facility, then you're attracting people to, to drive or to travel there, which is against the idea of a of a lockdown. Yeah, so yeah. it's not the council's fault that's closed. It's a directive from the Scottish government. However, I think it is recognised that these household recycling places have to be open. <laughs> some sort of fashion. Just yeah, my grass that's piling up, John. Well, that's it. <laughs> see that from the, the council, council's own grass cutting. Yeah. Walked past the school today, and it's great to see they're keeping that well trimmed at the, the other places. So hopefully that'll be one of the things that'll be lifted <laughs> to to allow the landscapers back out to get the grass cut. Yeah, it's far too early here to be thinking about using the lockdown, though, isn't it? Because we we're kind of behind London. We are peaking things, aren't we? Oh, I'm, I'm not a you know, specialist, but if, you, if, if 60, 70 percent of the population are not uh, are, are abiding by the rules, clearly there's going to be a slowdown from what it was before. Because just before, yeah. for example, I was at a funeral the, the day before, and what are there, 200 people there sitting, Aye. Uh, um, shoulder to shoulder. So yeah, yeah. So, so this thing about a slowdown, it's bound to slow down, but just because of what we're doing, we're all we're very careful. Uh, keeping our distance and just being, being careful, so it's, it's bound to slow down. But until they find some something to eradicate or whatever, 
Yeah, that's it. Do you think we're quite lucky where we are, though, geography-wise? We're going to miss sort of the worst, really, aren't we? Well, I don't think we really are. Um, no? There, are, there obviously has been a number of cases here, and it's uh, nobody will know. Um, it's probably best that way, because um, just just the way things are. But, uh, Aye, yeah. I think we are, what you said there, maybe things are starting to pick up here, and if we do start to relax, and that I think things are fastest when it's still that beast is still out there it's not gone away no um, no control it something could happen next week we could find some some cue or some, some something so it could change if not we could be sitting here <laughs> still working in a very controlled environment who knows yeah Jonah obviously the hospitality industry is something you've been in Trent Street for a long time and still are it, it's looking like it's going to face one of the longest lockdowns uh, Will it recover around here? There's a lot of places maybe won't, will it? I would, yeah, it's, it's going to be challenging. Certainly, uh, and I, I do feel for some of the larger premises uh, facilities. Yeah. Um, but saying that, sort of on a weekly basis, there's new funding coming along, so hopefully they've been able to tap into that. Aye, yeah. yeah, there will be, will be changes. I'm not a great uh, believer in the sort of halfway house because you've got no. overheads whether you're serving one customer or a hundred customers. That's right, yeah. Uh, and so some of the controls are out on that, but businesses will have to adapt. They will have to look at new ways. So yes, there'll be casualties. Likewise, yeah. there'll be opportunities. And you can see that from the local food. There's yes. far more of a push for people to recognise uh, and to tap into the local food markets. How will you restore confidence in people coming back out to, to the pubs and that because a, a lot of folk have said to me even when lockdown's over you know they're scared to go out especially pubs and things where there's going to be a lot of people By ensuring there's a controlled environment but probably by the time we're allowed to, to reopen and we'll be further down the track of some sort of that uh, people will feel safe and secure. That's the yeah. other way. Um, okay. I say opening halfway house and uh, catering for a small. I mean, I, it isn't about just selling. It's it's great uh, booze. It's about creating a a good environment for people for fundraising. For yes. Things. So, you know, that's the social aspect is very important to people uh, as well. Yeah. And so it isn't about uh, how much. It's not about the wet sales. It's about uh, Creating a, a really nice environment Aye. and having a, a good night out. So yes. It's all such time as uh, people feel confident. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a struggle. Okay. Another thing that's obviously close to my heart and your, your own uh, the sports facilities. Um, local clubs that I know of were already kind of struggling to afford uh, fees for the use of the sports centre and things. Sponsorship's going to be harder to come by in the next couple of years, I would think, with no income either coming in to the likes of Devonside and Devonvale. Uh, are the council going to offer some sort of a help or incentives at lower prices when we get back going, sport-wise? They, they have considered... So there's been various um, price increases uh, proposed. Um, I think what will happen is once things start look as though things are going to, re to reopen. Yeah. We're going to have to look at it. But I said most of the funding it was announced yesterday uh, that the Barnet consequentials, well, everybody understands that, that's basically if 
uh, Westminster or, or London, which is England, say uh -huh. that they're going to spend X amount on public services, what they call the Barnet Consequentials, Scotland gets proportional uh, an amount. So, so what uh, was announced was uh, uh, to support local government in England, the Barnet Consequentials for Scotland was uh, an additional 150 odd million pounds. Okay. announced yesterday that all that money will go to two councils. So to answer your question, if there's more money in the pot, certainly mm -hmm. the council has to recognise it's about people's, not just their physical health, but their mental health. Yeah. People yeah. Need, you know, and if we, don't, if we don't address it, the cost is going to be far higher you know, looking after people in hospitals or obesity yeah. or just, just bad, yeah. unhealthy lifestyles. So Aye. But uh, the consequences of businesses having to close is that the sponsorship dries up and the local clubs have to then close. Which is part of my, my, my drive of the local economy. The more businesses yeah. we have here, they're the backbone yes. of, of, of support, supporting, sponsoring, and right. contributing to our sports activities, uh, clubs from uh, child uh, playgroups, all the, all, the, all the voluntary groups are out there. Yeah. And if there's no funding how can they survive and in a small business community you have here it's the same people having to put their hands in their pockets that's right that's right it's, it's, that, that's what that's the big change whereas before there's all these yeah. fishing boats a lot of businesses um, yeah solicitors accountants banks even we'll move on there john uh, something that i know that you were very much in favor of was brexit i was very much and uh, and, uh, I'm just wondering why you think it'll be a benefit to our sort of corner of Scotland. Well, it's it's an easier question to ask than just in the general because in this corner, because we're so it, it, it's just a fishing community and we've got a phenomenal resource right on our doorstep. And uh, a good example would be is that uh, our boats are being told to to tie up rate consecutive days. Uh, because yeah. of oversupply, but that's it's not so much oversupply, is that the market uh, has not fully adjusted to the COVID situation where a lot of the restaurants are, are closed. Aye. But our boats, but yet there's all these Spanish boats coming in to land. Um, the rules and regulations, the economic drivers of Europe, it's quite clear it hasn't worked. Look at Italy, but even before this COVID corona virus situation. Italy, basket case, youth unemployment in Spain, Germany was now on its verge on its on its backside. Um, so there is there is a problem that the economic model doesn't work. The, the model of subsidizing inefficiency was providing grants doesn't create real wealth. It becomes a yeah. dependency culture. And that's basically what Europe has created is that uh, grant funding rather than creating real wealth. Okay. We took the brave decision many years ago to do away with all grants, and uh, and it survived because Aye, of that, yeah. that transition. But the economic model doesn't work. Uh, the impact it's had on our investment, uh, where we can support businesses. There's what they call dominius, where uh, there's a restriction what uh, uh, companies, businesses, sector, business sectors can be funded to support them, and there's been a, a change in market forces. All these rules and regulations coming into the process, why can't we make them 
that's fit and proper for our own term because no, yeah. it's well known we stick to the rules where the other countries quite clearly not. So while our boats are uh, under the jurisdiction of Marine Scotland, as an example, we've got all these French and, all these French and uh, Spanish boats fishing in mm -hmm. our waters. And any time I've been up the West Coast, I've never seen them being checked. You know, there's nobody standing there with a clipboard checking what's going yeah. on board. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's okay. that I'm not being anti-France or anti-Spanish <laughs> fishermen, whatever, because their, their markets are very important. To, there has to be a level playing field. That's quite clearly my my concern. No. Did I read somewhere that the French are are boycotting Scottish fish or something at the moment? Well, the, the French have adopted uh, uh, to ensure that um, you buy buy French to try and just aye. just right. And that's what we should be. Doing. Yeah, say, definitely. Aye. Really cool, but yeah, that, that was uh, those um, the way the French are that uh, they're making sure that the salty markets and everything was sort of labelled made produced in France rather than if you go to yeah. some of our supermarkets, you go and have a look at the, the cod in the haddock, frozen, and look at the label and see mm -hmm. if it's produced. Made in China. <laughs> produced <laughs> in China. Okay. Than, uh, it's not uh, caught in Atlantic uh, waters, but processed in China. Now, if that fish has been caught in, in, in Scottish waters, it hasn't been caught by a Scottish boat. It hasn't no. been processed, bought by a Scottish buyer. It's been caught by a foreign boat and the fish has gone to China to be processed to be shipped back here. So when you get these conservation people advocating <laughs> about uh, marine conservation, protecting their stocks, they are quite happy for uh, whatever food products travel around the, the world no, twice I... uh, without saying, which is what's, <laughs> what's the good that's come out of this, this current situation, is, is people being able to buy food no, I... and, and yeah. stuff that's, that's produced in their doorsteps. Yeah. The uh, the fishing industry was obviously quite behind Brexit, um, but are they? Uh, it's a big worry they're going to get shafted. Is there and use as a bargaining chip if we if there is a deal? There's always that that, that threat, but I, I think it's politics, and it's it's quite ironic that um, on one hand that there's a lot of criticism from some political parties that it is going to be used. But yet, at the same time, that same political party wants to be back into Europe. So they, they're <laughs> arguing against themselves. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, nobody's advocating that we get 100% of all the fish. Nobody's suggesting that at all. What we're looking for is that with climate change, uh, where the stocks are, uh, various aspects, there has to be a remodeling. Uh, the quota system doesn't work uh, for a lot of boats. Um, a lot of money has, is going out with the industry. I've got no problem yeah. with the quota leasing that, that money is retained to support the industry one way or another, keeping boats at sea. But what um, what is being created is the, the third party, you could say that's uh, the leasing of quotas from people who are not actually active um, in the industry. And that has, has a huge, huge cost to the industry. Uh, I was told in some cases, it could be 30, 40% of the catch uh, value has gone away quota leasing. Now, there are, now, that's not right across the board, but if one vessel has to cover that cost, that's one too many. Aye. So, so I'm not saying that's universal because a lot of uh, fishermen invested a lot of money to, to build up a track record and entitlement. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but at the same time, we've got to make sure there's complete transparency. Aye. The cost of fishing should not go against the 
leasing cost. Um, should we transfer swaps, all these things, but uh, the money is going out, out of the area, out of mm -hmm. the country, you could say in some cases. Uh, aye, aye. Strong rumours many years ago that Manchester United held Huntish quota. Remember the story? <laughs> nobody's been able to, to flat, definitely to deny, deny that as the case. But, <laughs> but let's get the transparency. And, uh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and the other thing is to support new people coming into the industry. Aye, yeah. Would uh, would you be happy for a no deal Brexit, John? I don't think we'll, I don't think that's on on, on the cards because there'll always no. have to be a deal, no matter what. Aye. It's like a legal agreement. A legal agreement is a moment in time. I think we'll come out of this. Um, I'm not naive to think there won't be losers. Um, and I it's likely to be the most vulnerable that will suffer, is it? Well, I wouldn't say that. Sometimes it's. The smaller things are easier to deal with, and sometimes you do get bogged down into smaller detail rather than bigger detail. But one way or another, we're, we're a trading country. France, yeah. Germany, uh, Spain, they all depend on the, the British pound one way or another, whether it's the wines or hmm. the, the tourism sector, whatever. Yeah. There's more at stake. It's not one-way traffic. No, I'm sure. yeah. uh, you, don't, no, you don't put all your cards on the table. Uh, no, that's it. You've got to try and keep something to, to negotiate with, so yes, there'll be some negotiating. Hey, if the UK, if the UK were uh, not valuable to them, they would have just waved this goodbye. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you do you think that Brexit though will accelerate the want and the need for Scottish independence? Well, as you, as you know, that uh, being an SNP member was uh, signing up principles, and in my early days, yeah, I was all for. For independence, I was all for coming out the common fisheries policy. No, unfortunately, the two are not not being in <laughs> not compatible. They're not compatible. So, <laughs> so until that is resolved, um, and I don't, I think that's going to be a, a thorn. Yeah, it'd be, yeah. Why do we want to be independent? I think right now, I'm not saying they wouldn't come back, but at this moment in time, let's see a stronger economy. And I think if we see a stronger economy. And more confidence, then's the time to sit and Aye. sit around the table and say, right, what's the next stage? But it's not the panacea at, at, at all. Uh, I would love to see it, but it's a question of timing. The timing, I think they've missed, they've missed that opportunity before COVID yeah. to, to build up the Scottish economy and then to yeah. go out there and make the case. That's my view. So I'm, I'm for it. So you, you think we're probably another another decade away from that now and in DRF too. Well, I think, to be quite honest, there was massive support from the youth, huge support in my own, my own family out yep. there. Uh, there's a real understanding. And they dropped the baton. Yeah, yeah. Where is the, you know, that's the, that's the future, the young people. So if the young people have, have lost that interest, and I, I don't know, why they dropped the baton with the young people. Mm. Um, they were all for it. But I think we've got to get the economy right. We've got to see um, yeah. our elderly being taken care of. We've got to get the education. And some people say, give us the tools. Well, we've got quite a heavy toolbox to do a lot of things. Um, mm. So let's drive the economy forward and then we've got the confidence to say, right, we can go to the next stage. It's just a no. question of timing. I think right now, let's put our energy to get past this because there's a lot of people out in our communities 
Yeah. We are very bad time hardship yep. in many aspects. But that's where that's the focus it. should be uh, rather than trying to divide and conquer. Just be first it goes back to Bonnie Prince Charlie days. That's been a long <laughs> time for divide and conquer. <laughs> okay, John. Thanks for all of that, John. Um, I always finish up with a few quick fire questions. Um, so you don't need to explain your answers and things to them. You don't feel uh, obliged to. First, Rina, is you know for me, I think the political system, the structures are quite outdated. Do you think technology uh, that we have now has a place so that more people can get involved in decision making? Yes. Yeah. More yeah. people involved, but it has to be uh, an informed basis. It's not yeah. black or white. Uh, it's looking at, looking at all the options, so yes. Okay. What one thing would you most like to change about our political or electoral system? Uh, there's too many too many tiers of government. Uh, the multi-member ward, I think, is a total waste of time. It uh, confuses the public who the yeah. representative is. Uh, so I think that, that was done to, to appease one political party because huh. they weren't getting uh, the number of people elected. Okay. I'll ask you, who would your dream front bench be? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'll support my fellow colleague, Councillor Roy and Councillor Reynolds and myself. <laughs> Three in the front row. Okay. Uh, we, we, we get on well together and uh, we don't always agree, uh, but the good thing about it is we're all mature enough and man enough to be able to tell each other what we think without falling out. So, good. Yeah, that's, that's a dream team. Magic. That's us done, John. Uh, thank you for, for coming on and, and talking about those issues and doing that for me. My pleasure, and I wish you all the best, and uh, pass on my regards to everyone at Brighter Horizons and out at Backlaw. Yeah, will uh, do. Keep my eye on your, your own uh, career development. It's been fantastic. It just seemed like yesterday when uh, you first started off out at uh, Colin Hill in Queen's uh -huh. County, so absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Uh, cheers. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Well, I thank you to John for stepping up to be the first non-sporting guest on the podcast. Probably took us both out of our comfort zones a little, but I think that's healthy. I do take a close eye on the political landscape of our country and indeed our area, and I think it's something that more people, especially younger folk, should do too. It's how we can get progress and things done to improve the towns and the area that we live in. As John mentioned, if anyone out there is or knows someone struggling due to the COVID-19 crisis, don't hesitate to get in touch with John. He can point you in the right direction of the support you need. For more information on this podcast, please visit Beyond Canal Park Podcast Facebook page. There are another 20 episodes available to listen back to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or on Anchor. Subscribe so you don't miss another episode. If you want to come on here and tell your story, vent your spleen, or you know someone who does, please contact the Facebook page with a message. I'd love to hear from you, as so many others have already done. It's all about shining a light on this local area and the people that populate it. Cheers for now, and I'll see you next week.